Tyron Smith goes down with an injury. The Rams and Bagels go from NFL to UFC, and we preview the AFC and NFC West. Welcome to another special edition of The Clinic. We're talking the NFL and gambling today. I'm Sammy Neighbor, and we are a two-live crew tonight. JJ, how you living, my man? Hey, bro. I'm doing good. I'm doing great. How about you? How's everything? I'm good, man. Can't complain. Some travel struggles recently, but I'm back home, and we're two weeks out from the season, so I'm ready to go. Ooh, so, yeah, let's get let, it. Let's lead it off today. One of the big stories came out of Dallas. Tyron Smith, in practice, tore his hamstring completely off the bone. And according to ESPN, he's going to have surgery Friday, and he will not be back before the end of November at the earliest possibly longer. He was hurt on a running play, just went to the ground as he was making a normal block on Leighton Vanderesh. ACL was intact, so the team was cautiously optimistic to start. But then the bad news came in. So I'm looking at this. The Cowboys had, let's just say, a strange offseason, man. They let Lyle Collins go. They didn't really do much to replace him. They have a fourth-round pick, Josh Ball, from that they drafted last year. They drafted another kid in the fifth round this year. But it's just a weird approach. They're so thin on the offensive line. Tyron Smith gets hurt every year, so I'm just I'm looking yeah. at it. I really don't know what this does. The NFC West is already horribly weak to me. I mean, when you got this news, what do you think of this whole division at this point and how this is going to go? It's pretty open. The Cowboys in the past few seasons have been favorites, I would say, right? Especially last year. Yeah, very high still expectations. A, still a small favorite now. Still, still a small favorite, but. The thing is, if you watch football like we do, the number one position, and I think it's ironically the most underrated, other than quarterback, is the O-line. Yeah. You gotta have a strong O-line, man. Like, those Super Bowls that Brady lost, O-line. When your Chiefs beat the Niners, your D-line killed our O-line. Mm-hmm. And when the Buccaneers beat your Chiefs, it was because the online got beat so absolutely man i mean i'm i'm with you on that and it's interesting with the cowboys the the last few years they've gone very big on the draft they really don't get involved in free agency and in one regard i get that like you want to you want to develop your own talent you want to keep your own talent in house just to go across sports like we've talked about the warriors so often that's what they've done so well right but when you've got a 53-man roster you've Mm got to go into free agency occasionally and plug some holes plug some spots and the Cowboys, when they were really strong four or five years ago, were built behind that line. Yes. That line was stacked. Zeke was running wide open holes, and they just, I feel like they've been trying to do these band aid solutions. They lost Travis Frederick. He retired a couple years ago. They kind of replaced him, but not exactly. Tyron Smith has gotten hurt three years in a row now. So it's just at some point, you got to plug some holes. Andrew Whitworth actually came out on Thursday Night Football today. I said the Cowboys called him. Mm-hmm. I believe Andrew Whitworth is 41 and declared a retirement from the Rams this offseason. Like, oh, man. If if that's where you're going, I mean, you, you can't go into free agency two weeks before the, the season starts to try to sign a senior citizen. Like, no offense, I'm almost 40 myself at this point. But, <laughs> like, he What's just that? retired. 
that's that's who you're going with so just is this very, a is this a is this uh are we calling out jerry jones yet have we, we have to we have to call out out jerry we jones to, we've right? got to call out stephen jones too i mean they've got the third most cap space in the league and the biggest hole possible protecting their franchise quarterback on the blind side the so, most important side where your quarterback doesn't see hence exactly the name right so call your shot right now do the cowboys win that division this year so, in that division, who do you think will give them at least some trouble? They'll make at least wild card, right? Maybe. Um, I think Philly by far is the, okay. is the better yeah. other team, the best number two team in that division. I'm not scared of the Giants. As you shouldn't be. I agree with you on that. <laughs> um, so I'm with you there. The thing with Philly to me is that on paper, I don't think you can dispute that right now with these injuries. Philly's got the better overall roster. I do mm-hmm. believe Dak is the better quarterback over Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts improved last year, but Dak is the better quarterback. So yeah, the question to me becomes, does Jalen Hurts improve enough to elevate the level of play of the team around him? I still think overall this is one of the weaker divisions in football, say that much. So Yeah, I I think they'll make it. You think they'll make it? Okay. Yeah. I will tell you from the gambling perspective, we're not focusing on the NFCs today. I would run away very far from betting this division personally. That's just my opinion. I like you could tell me anything could happen this year and I wouldn't completely blink an eye at it. So I think it's a stay away on the betting front, but it's it's going to be interesting to see how the Cowboys try to cover up that huge spot of Tyron Smith's absence. We're going to go ahead and move into our next big story today that broke out. Twitter had a ball with this one today. <laughs> For whatever reason, the Rams and the Bengals decided that it would be a good idea to have a joint practice after the way the Super Bowl ended. You know <laughs> that even though there's been a long offseason, I get that. There's still going to be some bitter feelings there. You got to figure For that sure. much, especially sure. with the way Aaron Donald specifically completely wrecked the end of that game for the Bengals. And so, surprise, surprise, a brawl broke out today. So, all kinds of stuff going on all over, all around the day, pretty much. Just all kinds of just like scraps and stuff after snaps, and then finally a full melee broke out during a team drill between the Bengals starting offense and the Rams starting defense. Someone was engaged on the Rams side with Lyle Collins, who ironically was the ex-Cowboy we just talked about. Collins took exception to the way that he was treated by the Rams player in the play, started throwing punches, and then everyone (laughs) dove in. And the big thing from there is some helmets came off, and a certain uh, photographer, naturally from Cincinnati, caught Aaron Donald with not one, but two Bengals helmets in hand, went all Miles Garrett, started swinging them around in practice. So, obviously, the teams decided to end the practice. I'm sure it would not have been a good idea to continue on after that. Yeah. yeah. The Rams did not say anything. Donald didn't say anything. So, the big catch on this is the NFL has always said that when it comes to practice, they don't handle discipline. But we know how concerned they are about image. This is all over Twitter now. So I'm just looking at this like, do you still do the joint practices? You keep seeing all these brawls breaking out this offseason for one. And so long time, long time coming has been that the preseason has just always been too long as far as everyone's concerned, right? Yes. 
I mean, I'm just trying to figure out what do you do here? Do you shorten the preseason? What do you do with the joint practices? Like, how do you take that approach? And I, I really don't think there's a right answer. So what do you think we should do here? I think joint practices are good. I know that several players don't like them, mm -hmm. but there is some learning that both teams could take advantage of. So it could be reading weird coverages. You could test out plays that you wouldn't yeah. usually test out. And usually it's from different divisions. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're getting that unfamiliar knowledge and you're learning from that. So hopefully you could use it within the season. The problem is when you do have a joint practice, as you see today, there are going to be scrimmages. Right. And when people are playing with this type of passion, you run the risk of injury, which right. I think is the main concern. And you touched it with the preseason. Should the preseason be shortened? The issue with that is they want to make up the money. Right. And what they're planning on, what they would probably do is essentially what they did last year, which is instead of 16 regular seasons, they increased it to 17. Mm -hmm. If they get rid of one preseason game, can you imagine if they played 18 regular season games, which has been kind of in the works? Right. If you go to 18 regular season games, you have to go to two bye weeks to start. For sure. Minimum. For sure, dude. Right? You can't yes. keep talking about player safety and then just be like, you know what, we're going to toss in another game. Maybe we'll do Wednesday night football so we can keep getting everything on national TV and get another contract, right? Yes. And I was thinking, like, maybe we could take note from the other leagues in America. Maybe before the you know, major playoffs or the the top-seeded teams that have a bye. Maybe they have two weeks, so a bye, and then you could have Wild Card Weekend. I like that idea. Playoffs. Yeah, that's a good idea. Let everyone kind of rest up a little bit. And then maybe you build in, somehow you build in that number one seed advantage, like the, the number one team maybe gets a second week off, something like that. Exactly. But I'm sure there's ways around it, but you do, you got to figure out a way to protect the players. I agree with you there. You know what I wonder, and along the lines of what you're saying, with the joint practices, I do think overall they're productive, but maybe you institute some sort of standard practice where it is a out-of-division, out-of-conference team that you did not play the prior season, so there's not that prior yeah. history. That's probably smart, too. Right? Like, so... Yeah. But how are you going to say, you know, we just played in February for the championship. And the we, most we, intense, yeah. Yeah. passionate <laughs> game that you've played in your life. So let's just get back together right before the season starts. Yeah, exactly. Like, if it's the Rams, I'm just throwing out a random team here. I don't think they played, like, the Texans last year. Mm -hmm. Throw in a team that you know they haven't played, no prior divisional rivalry. Maybe that'll help a little bit. Obviously, these guys are super competitive. You're still going to have some stuff break out, but I feel like it's going to be a little less likely. Yeah, I so, totally agree with that. So maybe that's the way to go. So along those lines, we know how majorly concerned the NFL is about image. So I just mentioned to you earlier that they're saying they don't handle discipline for practices, but do they make an exception here? Because this is all over the internet. Like, what do they do with Aaron Donald in this situation, given also he's largely considered the best defensive player in football? Okay, if this was the NBA, you know they would have handled this and made disciplinary actions. Mm -hmm. We're talking about the NFL, Sammy, and the NFL, <laughs> from the past few, I'll say, issues or problems, sure. we haven't seen anything that 
any consequences that people could generally agree with. Right. Like Deshaun Watson. Right. Everyone thinks that he shouldn't even be playing, let alone 11 games. And right. remember, his first expense, uh, um, first what, call or consequence was six games? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was right. six games, so. Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> Couldn't you imagine them doing like some nonsense like he he's going to be benched by the Rams? And won't be starting in the first game, and then like three plays in, he'll he'll be back out on the field. Yeah, exactly. Like so, that'd be crazy, man. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see because we know once the video gets out, that that is when the NFL gets concerned. But who knows? Maybe they'll just try to brush this by the wayside and just hope no one notices in a couple weeks when he's out there against the Bills. Yeah, I think this happens more than often, like more than we know. But it's social media age. Him. Yeah, I must catch it. So I agree with you. But just the I was uh, doing a little perusing along Twitter because frankly it was hilarious tonight after that happened. <laughs> and the big comparison was Miles Garrett, which yeah. Browns fans all over the place were doing that. So Browns fans, I got I hate to tell you this, especially because your team is not exactly the role models for the league right now. Uh, but when Miles Garrett did the helmet thing. I know that obviously a helmet is a helmet. It was also on Monday Night Football, if I remember right, probably in front of an audience of at least 15 million people. And, and the NFL cares about image. <laughs> and remember that their quarterback, Mason, didn't even have his helmet on. Exactly. So he was swinging on some yeah. dude unprotected. Exactly. So it's a different scenario. He's not getting six games. I'm sorry to tell you that. I think at most he gets two, if they make an exception. Beyond that, maybe he gets fined. But I can't see it. Not during yeah, a practice. I, I don't I don't think they're going to do it's, anything. Especially because the other thing that no one's talking about is if the NFL is saying that they do not discipline for practice, the Players Association will be up in arms if they try to discipline for this, and it would go straight to court. I'm sorry to say it. I'm not saying what Aaron Donald did was correct. I don't think it was. I think if in a just world, he would miss a few games. I'm just saying that the Players Association can't stand by and let discipline happen when they don't have the legal means to do it from the NFL side. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I totally agree, man. So, so we'll see. Not a great day for the NFL on the Twitter <laughs> on the Twitter world. I'll leave it at that. But from there, let's go ahead and hear from our sponsor. College football is back. It's time to enjoy the tradition, the fun, and the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. To celebrate the best time of the year, right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets instantly. Win or lose. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for terms and resources. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Tennessee. Call or text the Tennessee red line at 1-800-889-9789. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. One per new customer, minimum $5 deposit and wager. $200 issued as eight free $25 bets. And we're coming back with our gambling preview now. Today, we've got oh, two yeah. divisions near and dear to JJ and my heart. The KC Homer as I am, we are starting off with the AFC West. Or as I like to call it, a very overhyped, slight division with two certain teams. I'll get into that <laughs> momentarily. So, 
Let's open up with our odds here. The Kansas City Chiefs, winners of six straight titles in the AFC West, are a small favorite at plus 175. The Los Angeles Chargers are at plus 220. The Denver Broncos are at plus 260. And hauling in the rear are the Las Vegas Raiders at plus 650. Quick breakdown of what went on around the league or around the division in the offseason here. Kansas City, of course, traded Tyreek Hill, who got the big contract from the Dolphins. And they decided to go with a quantity approach to replace him. Added Juju Smith-Schuster. Added Sky Moore in the draft. Added Martez Valdez-Scandling from Green Bay. Also drafted Trent McDuffie, George Karloftis, and signed Justin Reed to replace Tyron Matthews. The LA Chargers didn't make as many moves, but the moves they made were big. They signed Khalil Mack. They signed J.C. Jackson at corner. They drafted Zion Johnson because their one major hole was probably the interior offensive line. Really solid offseason in terms of covering up some weaknesses. Also re-signed Mike Williams. Denver, the big move, of course, was trading for Russell Wilson. Uh, traded away a couple first-round picks and a little addition by subtraction by trading Drew Locke, who was the prior backup quarterback, to Seattle. They also signed Randy Gregory away from the Cowboys to play the opposite edge from Bradley Chubb, signed DJ Jones on the interior line, and hired Nathaniel Hackett, who was last the offensive coordinator at Green Bay. Not to be outdone, the Raiders traded with Green Bay to get Devontae Adams. They signed Chandler Jones, and they hired Josh McDaniels for his second tour of duty in the AFC West. Last we saw with him, he was trying to make Tim Tebow a starting quarterback. <laughs> uh, so I'll leave it at that. Uh, in terms of our over-unders on the win totals, Kansas City's at 10.5, the Chargers are at 10, Denver's at 10, and the Raiders are at 8.5. By far, this is the highest cumulative win total across any major division. So let's start off with the teams themselves, and I'll actually cap it for you with the Super Bowl odds. Casey at 10 to 1, Chargers 14 to 1, Broncos 17 to 1, and the Raiders are at 40 to 1. So for those of you who are listening to this for the first time, first of all, thank you. Uh, the approach we normally take on this segment is uh, we go with like a casual gambling point of view here from from JJ and John and June when they join us. So Jay, from the casual point of view here, the numbers, the moves, everything I gave to you, anything particular stick out to you here? Okay, read me the favorites for Denver again. Read it to the fans. It would be... Uh, okay, so their divisional odds are plus 260. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. the odds, win, I should say. Win total is uh, 10. Mm-hmm. Their Super Bowl odds are 17 to 1. So 17 to 1 compared to... Chiefs at 10 to 1, Chargers at 14 to 1. 14 to 1. Correct. I mean, I hate to say it, but you would obviously think the Chiefs would go far because they have been going far and they have arguably the best QB in the league. Mm-hmm. But from a betting standpoint, and due to the odds, I would say Denver's okay. the flashy trophy over there that you kind of just want to play with, the flashy toy, the flashy toy, right? <laughs> the pickups with Randy Gregory, DJ Jones, and their new head head coach, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. They've been competing. They've always had the issue of what though? Their quarterback, and Correct. they finally got a quarterback that I've watched very closely in Russell Wilson right. who always has a chance to win with what he does. Okay. Now that he has a pretty good damn squad around him, you know, they could be potential threats to your Chiefs, Sammy. 
All right, I can see the logic, and you know what? The win totals reflect that. I mean, having three teams with over 10 wins, just this division's going to be nuts. I mean, that that's the main thing we know. Yeah, the strongest, the strongest division by far. Last year was the NFC West. Right. This year, it's definitely the AFC West. Yeah. So with Denver, I will tell you my concerns. On paper, skill positions, I really like what they've got. Corlin Sutton, Jerry Judy at receiver. They lost him Patrick for the year, which might be bigger than people realize. Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon at running back. Uh, Bradley Chubb, Randy Gregory on the edges. Patrick Sertan in the secondary. My concern with them is what was the biggest problem Russell Wilson had the last couple years in Seattle from your perspective. I don't see it being that much different. They really didn't strengthen the O-line over in Denver this year. And you look at the pass rushers in that division, taking Denver out, obviously. The Chargers have Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. Chandler Jones and Max Crosby are in Vegas. Frank Clark and Chris Jones are in Kansas City. I'm worried about their protection. The other thing is, what is this division going to do is throw the ball. And they've got Patrick Sertan, awesome corner. I really like him. I don't know what they have behind him. That's my only concern with Denver is those spots. So I'm curious to see how Nathaniel Hackett game plans and schemes for those. And so with him, I mean, being a new head coach, that's a great unknown could go either way. Because as a new head coach, others haven't necessarily seen his schemes before. We're going to assume we see something similar to Green Bay. But as that unknown, he might be able to do some things we're not expecting. Yeah, so, we'll see. It's like kind of that thing with the new head, or yeah, head coach. Right. Exactly. So, so we'll see how it goes with Denver. I will freely also tell you that of these teams, obviously, I don't like any of the other three much. Denver is my personal most hated team, so I might be a little biased <laughs> when it comes to them. At the Raiders. Okay. Broncos first, Raiders next. I will. Okay, I will tell okay. you that now. The Chargers, I'm a little apathetic toward because no one tends to cheer for them either way. Uh, again, folks, as I said, I'm a pure Chiefs homer, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cover that up on this one. So, so that's my initial read on this. I will tell you on the divisional front. To me, divisionally. You're getting actually pretty good odds on everybody. So this is who you ever think is best. I will say this. I saw a lot of hype for the Raiders. And usually when Vegas sets a line, there's a reason for it. So I know some people came out casually like, why are the Raiders six and a half to one if everyone else is so close? All I will say is this. If you see that the gap is that big, to me, Vegas is telling you something. The Raiders, if you break down DVOA, the advanced metrics, were not as good as the record indicated last year. I think Derek Carr is a fringe top 10 to 12 quarterback. The problem is, to me, he's clearly the fourth best quarterback in this division, and their secondary is terrible. So they could be better than they were last year, but the division is so strong that I think they have a good wide receiver, they have a really good running back, and then they have a, like what you said, top 10 quarterback. But this is a way competitive conference. So. This is going to be rough, man. So, yeah. so that's where we're at now. Uh, on the Chargers front, they are the sweetheart team of this offseason. Every time I listen to other podcasts, really respected ones, and just hear the analysis, it's always the Chargers are ready to take the next step. They're, they're a, a lot of teams' dark, or a lot of people's dark horse Super Bowl favorite. And you know what? I, I have to say, I'm going to insert the bias again. As a Chiefs fan, I love, love that they're getting all the hype this year. Because I mean, all, why wouldn't they? Yeah. 
It's just, it's funny yeah. because it feels like all of this talk is whether Herbert's now better than Mahomes and that the Chiefs are going to fall off because they lost Hill. So what do you think of the Chargers this offseason? Do you think the hype is legit and real? I think the hype is there. They're very intriguing. They have, I would say, very attractive players in terms of their play. They're superstar fringe. Mm-hmm. But we'll see because last year they kind of didn't meet expectations. And I think a big part of that was a head coach that maybe went too far on the analytics. I know. Yeah, so has he learned? Has he learned? I mean, that last game, the most important game where they had to win, mm-hmm. what happened, Sammy? He ran the ball, like, or he tried to make a play like a moron when they <laughs> yeah. had the tie in the playoffs in hand. Yeah. And it bit, and he had it coming. I will yeah. tell you the interesting thing is he's actually uh, the favorite for Coach of the Year. You, who? Daly, the Chargers coach. Oh, he's, is he? He's the favorite. I didn't know he was favorite. He's the favorite. Hackett is actually tied for second at 16 to one. Crazy thing on coach of the year is this is why that category to me is, frankly, it's not judged well. Mm-hmm. Andy Reid, most people regard as a top three coach. Would you agree with that assessment? Yes. 28 to one to win coach of the year because the Chiefs every year win 11 to 14 games. And so it's like, usually the coach of the year is either a team with a new quarterback, goes from worst to first, new coach, that kind of thing. So it's interesting that he's that far down. So if you buy the hype on the Chargers and you really think that they're going to win the division, you might actually want to throw a sprinkle on Staley to win Coach of the Year because there's a shot that if they win the division, he's going to get a ton of the credit for it. And 14-1 to could be worth a dart throw. So last thing I want to bring up with you is that strength of schedule that we we talked about before. Remember, this goes in reverse, so the higher the number, when I say higher, think 32 being higher than 1, that's how hard the schedule is. Strength of schedule this year is not great for any of these teams because they're playing each other. Denver's at 17, Chargers at 20, Raiders at 30, and the Chiefs by far have the hardest schedule in the league this year. So, something else to think about when when you're looking at these teams and how you want to make your wagers. Uh, I'll go into what I think is my... My favorite bet out of this division short in terms of a uh, best bet and a long shot. Jay, overall, is your favorite bet that Denver Divisional, from what you're saying? Yes, Divisional is Denver. Okay. All right, let's move on to your division. Uh, For those of you who don't know, JJ has been a long-standing 49ers fan and season ticket holder for literally decades. Yes. So, (laughs) NFC West... Super interesting division. Again, lots of things happen this offseason. So let's go into our initial breakdown again. The Rams are a very, very slight favorite at plus 130. The Niners check in at plus 150. Arizona's at plus 400. And way hauling in the rear, the 12s in Seattle at plus 2,000. So he adds this offseason. The Rams, big thing. They traded away Robert Woods. They brought in Allen Robinson and Bobby Wagner. The Niners signed Charverius Ward away from the Chiefs and signed Drake Jackson. Also, obviously, the big news with the Niners is that Trey Lance is going to be the full-time starter going forward this year. Arizona on draft night traded for Marquise Hollywood Brown. They signed Will Hernandez and they drafted Trey McBride. Seattle, of course, traded away Russell Wilson. As a result, they got Drew Locke, Noah Fant, a boatload of picks. They drafted (laughs) Kenneth Walker, drafted Charles Cross. Win-loss totals. 
Rams are the favorite at 10.5, but a slight favorite. Niners at 10 wins. Arizona's at 8.5. Interesting note on Arizona, just dropped from 9.5. There's not a lot of faith out there in Arizona this year. I share the skepticism. We'll get into that later. Seattle all the way at 5.5. That actually dropped from 6.5 as well. Uh, odds to consider here on uh, team level odds again. The NFC, most people think, is very weak this year. So there's a very clear defined in terms of the odds. The so top four, Tampa, Rams, San Francisco, Green Bay. And then everything falls after that. So the Rams are at plus 550. The, the Niners have the fourth best odds in the NFC at plus 750. Rams odds to win the Super Bowl at plus 1,200. The Niners odds to win are plus 1,600. So let's start off. And actually, let me toss out one other thing here on that strength of schedule. The Niners are at 13, Seattle's at 22, Arizona's at 24, and the Rams are all the way at 31. So, be a homer. Tell me what you want to, what you think is going on. What's your initial overview of your NFC West? Okay. Of course, with the unknown of Trey Lance, right. there's an uh, interest right now as you told me earlier that a lot of people are putting money down for Lance for the MVP. Right. We currently have 40 to 1 for our listeners. 40 to 40 1 for MVP. And uh, to give you a prop, Sammy, you said that when Mahomes was a rookie, people are looking into that and he's had the similar situation where uh, Mahomes had Alex Smith as right. someone who mentored him. Trey Lance had Jimmy G. Right. So under one year being under Jimmy G, going into a system of Kyle Shanahan, where Kyle Shanahan has had a pretty deep history of basically making quarterbacks good to great, mm-hmm. there's a lot of promise. But as I guess there's a huge theme within this pod, I'm really worried about the Niners O-line. Okay. And with the rookie uh, quarterback, it's a deadly combo and not in a good way so mm-hmm. I'm very cautious just in that viewpoint um, in terms of odds and if I was like a casual fan call me crazy and I know I'm a doubter but Arizona at eight and a half I would pick the over for that no you're gonna go over I think I might go over man just okay. because they've had history of performing well but we've chopped trivia the past few pods that what is it after the first 10 games? What teams figure them out? Falls off a cliff. Falls off, yeah. Their coach going uh, all the way back to college. Going all the back. Okay, so if that's the case, actually, maybe you're talking me out. But let me hear your thoughts. What do you think? They're going, uh, you're going well, for the under I, for that? I'll, I'll tell you now, actually. Arizona under is one of my best bets. Oh, okay. Explain. I'll, I'll tell you why. Because normally they start off well. And that's where they get their wins, and then they fall off. So here's their opening schedule this year, and this is my concern with them. They open with the Chiefs. They go to Vegas to play the Raiders, and they're home for the Rams at Carolina, home Philly. You could legit, let's say Carolina's as weak as we're all expecting. You can say that they legitimately have four of their other five opening games against either playoff teams or playoff contenders. All four of those teams did make the playoffs last year. So the opening schedule does not cater well to them getting off to the hot start. From November to January since he's been in the NFL, Cliff Kingsbury is 9-17. and 17. It just doesn't go well. So for me, I loved it at 9.5. I still like it at 8.5. And, 
I just, I think the way the schedule is set up, if this was like, it only happened one year where Kingsbury just didn't have a good November, I'd say, okay, you can chalk that up. He's been in the NFL for three years now, and that's the trend. At this point, this is not coincidence to me. It's behavior, it's patterns. Exactly. exactly. And so that's why I just don't like it. I see this team as a 7-10 and 10 or 8-9 and nine team. You also remember at the beginning of the year, when they're playing those first five games, DeAndre Hopkins is out. He's out He's, for how many games? Six games? Six. six. So the combination of those things, they lost Chase Edmonds. They're not going to be as good a running team. Mm-hmm. I just don't like what I see there. And they also lost Chandler Jones. Just Kyler they, Murray's playing too many Madden, too much Madden too. Too so. much Call of Duty based on the record. <laughs> yeah, that I've seen. Duty, so so. That, that's where I stand with Arizona. So that's let me my ask you a question. Shoot, if we're moving to Seattle, yeah, and every if you look into the rumors, if they pick up Jimmy G, yeah, and the Niners cut Jimmy G, do you think Seattle, with their great home record, would you pick? over five and a half so i will say yes with a caveat if they sign jimmy g i would go honestly i would probably go to the book tomorrow and bet the over on that because i think he's that big enough here from drew lock and no offense to drew lock i'm not trying to be mean but i legitimately <laughs> think he would be the worst starter in the league you're not uh, being mean you're being I'm just being real uh, here's the caveat though this is the catch i'm talking about if they traded i think the bookmakers would update that and it would go to six and a half or seven and then i wouldn't touch it if it stayed at five and a half with Jimmy G, I'd run to the book and I'd make that bet. I think I don't I w- think they would be a playoff team, but I think they'd win at least six or seven games. That's the talent difference between Drew Locke, Gina Smith versus exactly and Jimmy G. Yeah, let's say Jimmy G's sake of argument is a slightly, slightly above average quarterback. Is that fair in your opinion? I would say so. Okay, so if you're Top doing 20. that. Yeah, like you're you're putting him you're putting him with very good weapons with DK Metcalf, with Noah Fant, with Tyler Lockett, Rashad Penny finished the year off well. You put the right quarterback there, not even to take big shots, but just to put the ball in places where they can make plays. And he's not gonna turn the ball over a ton. I think it changes the whole dynamic of that team. So I will say they would be that would be one of the best divisions in football if they upgrade quarterback in Seattle. Also. This year, it's yep. still going to be a good division. It's just Seattle is clearly the fourth to me. Right now, as they stand, I would legitimately consider betting Seattle to have the worst record in the league. I don't have those odds in front of me, but I think it's around plus four or 500. I do th- I think that team is going to be bad because Drew Locke has proven that he throws a lot of turn- picks and turnovers. Geno Smith is the same. There is not a quarterback in the future on that roster. Yeah, so. I don't have much faith in the Seahawks either. No. So. Yeah, and I will have to say this. Overall, to me, this division is the biggest wild card in football because Trey Lance is the biggest wild card in football. You could tell yeah. me he's going to throw 35 touchdowns or 13. Neither would surprise me. I have no idea what to expect. And the fact that the Niners win totals at 10 and they've got the fourth best also in the conference, I think is bookmakers saying this is how highly we think of Kyle Shanahan to be a good coach, to put him in a position to win. So yeah, the the Niners, you could argue they have the best front seven. They do. For defense. Agreed. Yeah. Best D-line, great linebackers. You could argue that they have the best wide receiver core, a stack running back. Running the pieces back, are uh, all court. in place, man. All if, the if pieces Lance, are there. If Lance coach, excels right away, you can throw them into the Super Bowl conversation. 
Now that's a Do lot you... to put on any quarterback though this year. Sorry, go ahead. You're gonna say something. No, I was just gonna say just to add on to it, you know, your you were saying about the Niners. What's the talent difference between Trey Lance and Jimmy G? Honestly, and I have no idea. Offense, you know? I have no idea. And that that's the problem is in the long term, I do think Trey Lance will be a very good quarterback. I don't know what to expect this year just because he's coming from such a small school mm-hmm. that you wonder how much are they going to ease him in in terms of the playbook? Are they going to give him quick one-read throws, a lot of re- uh, RPO, a lot of option plays, things that basically make things easier, but at the same time, are they going to limit the ceiling just a little bit because you want to ease him in? You know, you don't want to throw him to the wolves because he could regress so much that you break your quarterback. And yeah. Shanahan's such a coach, he's going to put him in the right positions. It's just we don't know where he's at yet in terms of his ability to read. We know the athleticism is there. This is all going to be the mental aspect and how fast he's picking up what is known to be a complicated playbook. So yeah. it wouldn't surprise me with the Niners if they start off struggling a little bit in the first four to six games and then get hot near the end of the year. I see the last year. Yeah, exactly. And and there's even, it's just with them, to me by far, that is the team with the most variance in the NFL this year. They could go in so many directions. And so it does scare me a little betting on like the division, for example. So for me, I like the under bet on Arizona as well for that reason. Okay. On other individual player bets, let's talk about a few there. We mentioned MVP, Lance is at uh, 40 to one. Kyler Murray's at 20 to one. Stafford's at 15 to one. Defensive Player of the Year, Aaron Donald, not shockingly, is one of the favorites at plus 750. Nick Bosa is uh, top five at 15 to one. Offensive Player of the Year, lots of candidates here. The main two I wanted to point out, Debo Samuel tied for the favorite at 10 to one with Jonathan Taylor. Cooper Cup right there at 12 to one, which is totally understandable with the year he had last year. So lots of options here, lots of things he could do. Individual bets, I think you already mentioned uh, you like, would you throw the Trey Lance bet out there? Or is there something else you like a little better? I mean, the Trey Lance one is intriguing, but I'm a homer. The Nick Bosa one I like. Yeah. Just because it's 15 to 1, and you might get your money's worth just trying. Sure. And he's been in the MVP conversation his rookie year. Mm-hmm. You could have argued he would have, he could have won Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah. And I would And I would think. If the Niners are anywhere near that 10-win mark that the bookmakers have set for them, that means that they're going to be up in a lot of games and there's going to be a lot of pass rush opportunities. And Defensive mm-hmm. Player of the Year is often based on things like sex. Yep. So, so we'll put that out there. So I like those calls. Uh, I'll throw out there. So to kind of wrap this up a little bit, for the best bets, I said Arizona was one. My second one goes actually against what you were saying, and I will freely tell you I have bias in this one, so I don't know if this is my best play. I actually was going to go under on Denver. And here's the reason. When you have a new head coach, usually in the beginning of the year, there's a bit of an adjustment period for the team, right? So they might not play their best ball until later in the year. Mm -hmm. So here's my concern with them. After the bye, their bye is in week nine. Here's how their schedule finishes out. At Tennessee, home Raiders, at Panthers, and then check out this final five. At Baltimore, home Kansas City, home Arizona, at Rams, at Kansas City. That is That's brutal. Brutally tough. So if to they end don't the season. start off well, it's going to be hard for them to hit that number. And I know I've repeated this a bunch, but one more time for everyone listening. 
I am very biased against the Broncos, so that might be my heart a little more than my head. Take it with a grain of salt, as you will. Uh, I also am a little concerned about their weakness in the secondary after Sertan and their trenches. Long shot bet, going homer here. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to have a big... <laughs> See, Tyreek Hill does not matter to me that much campaign. I like the MVP odds for him at 9-1. to one. I'm going to throw it out there. I will also throw this one out there. Trey Lance at 40-1. to one. Why not throw 100 bucks on that one? I Why mean, not? 40-1, if he explodes onto the scene, that's going to be the biggest talk of the league. The writers are going to notice it. And let's say he's competitively playing, like his numbers are a little bit worse than Josh Allen and sick argument Aaron Rodgers. He will get the MVP vote because he's new and exciting. So at 40-1, to one, I like that better than any of the other Niners odds because the rest of the Niners odds are kind of short. So if you like the Niners this year, I mean, it's 40 to 1. It's not a favorite by any means, but why not toss a little bit at that one? Because if they do end up winning the division, most likely he at minimum was going to be playing above average. That's true. So that's my thought there. Those are both homer picks. One for me, one for JJ. (laughs) So that's actually going to wrap us up for the night. JJ, man, thank you for joining me as part of our two live crew tonight. Hey, thank you, Sammy. Had a blast, my guy. Thanks, man. So just want to shout out our, our missing boys tonight, Jay, uh, John, June, and RJ, our video producer. Hope to see you guys on the next pod. Remember to check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All-NBA Podcast, and follow us on Clinic or on Twitter at Clinic All-NBA. I'm Sammy Neighbor. This is the Clinic Special Edition NFL Podcast. Thanks for joining us and come find us wherever you get your pods.